the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go-to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high-profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Happy Hump Day, everybody. And as you listen to Mick Jagger singing, you start me up at the end of the show. Um, we're going to probably talk to Imran because uh, the stones are probably uh, it's midnight in uh, Berlin right now. They probably just wrapped up uh, what could be their final show. They did this whole uh, tour. Uh, marking the 60th anniversary from the first gig they played in 1962. And Berlin, uh, right now is the last gig that they're, uh, pl- scheduled to play. Uh, you know, the blogs are all blowing up. Like, is this it? Is this their last, uh, their last show? I had dreams of being there. Um, tomorrow's Marianne's birthday. Didn't think it was a good idea to miss the Mary Ann's birthday, so hence we did the uh, the Paris thing. But I'm going to talk about that a little later with Imran, who was at the show with me. Um, we have a, a great show for you. I know my friend John Calvelli's coming on, and uh, he's going to talk about what's going on in the world of the Bronx Zoo and the wildlife and, and uh, here in New York City. He is such a wonderful... Uh, he's such a wonderful ambassador for the city of New York. He's the executive produce, executive vice president for public affairs of the Wildlife Conservation Society, which you'll, you'll hear what that does. And, and um, he'll give you some great tips on what to do with the family uh, or without the family, actually. I mean, I, I was strolling through the Bronx Zoo and the Botanical Gardens and the Central Park Zoo. Uh, it, they're just little jewels of the, the of the many jewels of here in New York City. Um, but let's talk about what's going on in New York City a little bit. Um, so I, I don't know if you guys heard about this Brooklyn McDonald's worker gets shot in the face, allegedly over cold French fries. And there was a, the, the, some young person ordered French fries. The French fries came out. They were cold. Um, he went back in and asked them to be reheated, and they just put a couple of warm French fries on top. It was it's as stupid as you can imagine it getting, but apparently, um, this person I believe his name is Morgan, uh, Michael Morgan, um, pulled out a gun and shoots the guy in the face. Right now, luckily, he doesn't kill him, but now under questioning, he's admitted to another homicide. He hasn't been charged with it yet, 
but he has given a, a statement that uh, he had committed a, uh, another homicide. I'm going to just read to you. The man accused of shooting a Brooklyn McDonald's worker in the face during a spat over cold French fries, French, French fries has confessed to an earlier murder, a killing he had gotten away with until the fast food fracas. While being questioned for shooting fast food worker Matthew Webb in the face during a quarrel that, quarrel that spilled outside the bed McDonald's Monday, Michael Morgan confessed to committing an October 21st, 2020 homicide he was long suspected of committing. So, I mean, I guess that's a good thing, right? I mean, you're solving another homicide, but it shows you how under questioning from ethical and and uh, detectives with integrity who are doing things the right way, how one crime can lead to another, the solving of another. And that goes back to, you know, Bratton and Giuliani and, and Maples, where that whole broken windows thing, you know, you may arrest someone for a low level crime and either they're going to confess to you about something else that they've done, another crime or well, you know, OK, if you don't lock me up, I'll tell you, you know, who's dealing cocaine. I'll tell you who's dealing heroin. I'll tell you who's running the prostitution ring. And the, a lot of that that domino effect is what helped us rid uh, the city of crime. And that that's no secret. Um, I have been looking at the differences between 1994, 95 and 2022. Uh, regarding the city, but overall regarding the country. And as much as, you know, I'm not going to take any credit away from Mayor Giuliani at the time and, and Police Commissioner Bratton, there was a national downward trend in crime, whereas as we speak, there is a national upward trend uh, in crime. So does that relate to the economy? Does, you know, you had Bill Clinton coming in. And you go starting the tech boom and people seem to start doing better. Um, remember that wasn't that the, it was, it's the economy stupid. I believe that was part of the 1992 presidential campaign. Um, now, you know, allegedly the economy is doing worse and we're talking about a recession and the price of gas is up and every price of everything is up. Really? I mean, I went to a restaurant the other day and a salad, a salad with no protein. No chicken, no salmon. Uh, just It's just a salad. It was called like the 100 colored salad. So it was all different kinds of greens, $31. And then, so I'm looking and I'm like, I mean, there's got to be something in here, right? There's got to be like lobster tail in here for $31. And then like, if you look underneath, it says to add chicken was like $16. To add salmon was like $18. It was going to be like a $50 salad. And, you know, if you speak to people who are running restaurants who are in this retail economy, they're telling us, which I'm sure is true, that the price of everything for them has gone up. In the construction industry, the price of wood, just just straight up lumber, has gone up so much um, so that you get an estimate in June to do a little project on your house. And now in August, they're like, well, no, we have to increase it by 4% because of... Uh, the price of lumber has gone up. So we did it X amount of dollars per square foot. Well, now that X has become Y. Uh, I believe I mentioned to you that I got a big delivery at my house. And on the bill, which was a significant bill, at least for me, um, there was like a, I don't know, it was, it was silly, but it was like a $9 
fuel charge on top of the delivery charge. So there was X amount for the delivery charge, and then under the delivery charge, it was like $9, because I guess, you know, they needed uh, two gallons of gas to get to my house at four fifty a gallon. It's 9 bucks. Um, so does that? how does that correlate with crime? How does the drug crisis correlate with crime? People not having money? You know, that tends to lead to robberies. And now we all walk around with so many valuable things on us. It's not just your watch. It's not just what's in your wallet. You know, your iPhone is $1,000. You go out and get the brand new iPhone with the 256K. It's 1000 bucks. Uh, you know, the watch is, is you know, f- yes, forget about the fancy watches, but, you know, you're wearing an Apple watch. How much is that? The earbuds, how much is that? And people who are desperate... They'll just, you know, they'll, they'll take that stuff. Last night I went to the Yankee game. Um, they lost. It was a bummer. I had a great time with Luca, and then we ran into Lino and his buddy Sean. Um, but, you know, I parked on the street about 10 blocks away. And, you know, walking at night, uh, Luca and I, you know, I told Luca, put your phone away. I put both of my phones in my pocket. I took my watch off. I put my watch in my pocket. And I actually rolled up my sleeves. I was wearing a work shirt. No tie. Don't worry. So they, they could see I didn't have a watch on me. So, like, if they're looking to roll someone... You don't want to be a target. You don't want to show, like, oh, look, I'm carrying a $1,000 phone in this hand. My son's got another $500 phone in his hand. And here's a watch that's shiny, and maybe it's worth a few bucks. And they'll just go out, and if they're real drug addicts, they'll just go out and sell it for 50 bucks so they can cop a bag of whatever it is that they need. So, you know, I was, I, did I feel pretty safe? Yes. There was a tremendous police presence all around Yankee Stadium, but... Crime is, you know, it's still at the forefront of everyone's mind. What, something else is at the forefront of everyone's mind right now, especially those right here in the heart of Manhattan, are these rats. Jonas Bezito, who, uh, my partner, who spends a lot of time, um, in lower Manhattan, we have an office there at 321 Broadway, uh, he said, you know, he, when he was down there by Mulberry Street and Mott Street and they have all the kiosks and all the outdoor dining, the, the, the rats are just prevalent. I, I looked this up. There's this year so far, there's 16,000 rat sightings versus at this time last year, only 14,000. Now, I want to know who's calling in a rat sighting. I mean, I guess if you own a, a if you're a real uh, a retail store and you're asking the city for some help. But last week, well, two weeks ago, right before I left, um, Arthur and I were going to the park in Bay Ridge right by the water. And there was a little hole in the ground. And just being a wise guy, Dad, Arthur's like, little Arthur's like, Daddy, what's that hole in the ground? I go, that's where the snakes are. That's where the snakes are. But the hole happened to be close to a catch basin, you know, where the water flows into when, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of rain. So being inquisitive, Arthur, he, he looks down into the catch basin. I walk like five, seven feet ahead of him. And he starts screaming, Daddy, Daddy, I see a rat. I see a rat in there. Now, you know, we're close to the water. They're allowed to be rats around there. But, yes, I, it's definitely unnerving and unsettling to be in Manhattan looking to have a bite to eat and having rats run over your feet. I know City Hall is very focused on this. When, when Mayor Adams was on the show, he told us that he hates rats and he's on rats. And they changed the time of when you could put down, uh, when you could put out your garbage. So they're dealing with it. Crime, rats, New York City. Well, we're going to talk about something really great when we come back. We're going to talk to John Cavelli and he's going to tell you great things that you could do here in the city of New York. Don't go anywhere. Sam Bolin, I love this song, so crank it.
So let's talk about Connors and Sullivan. Those are our buddies. I know them from Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, where they have an office, but they also have offices in Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. And they are there to protect you, your money, to be honest with you, your assets. And they're, who are they protecting you from? Usually it's from the government and usually it's from the tax person. And they're not just protecting you. They're protecting your heirs, people who would inherit your money, your car, your real estate, whatever, what's in the safe deposit box. You'd need to be prepared. It's that simple. That's the Boy Scouts motto. Always be prepared. So call Connors and Sullivan. They'll hook you up if you need it with a will, a trust, a power of attorney, a healthcare proxy, a living will. They'll do your overall estate plan. The goal of Connors and Sullivan is always the protection of your rights and your interests and those of your heirs. They've been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 40 years. Visit them for a no obligation free consultation. So just call our friends at Connors and Sullivan 718-238-6500 That's 718-238-6500 or visit their website ConnorsAndSullivan.com. And remember what Mike Connors always says, the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. This is Greg Floyd, president of Teamsters Local 237. Join me for Reaching Out. We'll talk about the issues that matter the most to working families, union members, and everyone who cares about the future. On the next Reaching Out, Greg speaks with New York City Council member from the 43rd District and chairman of the Finance Committee, Justin Brannan, about the city budget and the controversy that surrounds it. It's Reaching Out, Saturday afternoon at 2.30, with an encore at 9 p.m. on AM 970, The Answer. Do you find yourself stuck in a timeshare? Get the real facts about the timeshare industry and your options for cancellation. Chuck McDowell, founder of Wesley Financial Group, beat the largest timeshare company in federal court and has put together a free information guide that reveals the secrets the timeshare industry doesn't want you to know, including the five ways to get rid of your timeshare. Call now and get this timeshare cancellation guide absolutely free. Call 800-859-6688. That's 800-859-6688. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored in part by the good people at Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey. America's been thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Drive one today at Freehold Mitsubishi for the best selection and outstanding customer service. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. Baby, I'm praying on you tonight. Hunch you down, eat you alive. Just like animals, animals like animals most. Maybe you think that you can hide. I can smell your surface. ever going to confuse John Calvelli for an animal. I mean, he's an animal lover. He's an animal protectionist. He's a Fordham University graduate. He's a Fordham Law School graduate. He's a very, very proud and active Italian-American. Uh, he's, some may describe him as handsome. I'm going to, I'll leave that to the general public. Uh, he is tall, wide-shouldered, nice, nice full head of hair. He's got uh, Italian, Italian uh, uh, features. Uh, he does come from a beautiful family. 
Uh, he's a dear friend of my friend Paul D'Amelia's. That's actually how I know John for many, many, many years. Uh, before he got into the business of saving animals and lives and, and animals' lives and all kinds of conservationist stuff, he was a big shot down in Washington, D.C. He was the chief of staff to Congressman Elliot Engel. Who, those of you who don't know, anytime there was the State of the Union, every president, you always saw Elliot was right front and center, always getting that handshake from the president of the United States, no matter what it took. Is that correct, John Calvelli? That is absolutely correct, Arturo. Carissimo amico mio. Uh, yeah, oh, well, since, since you're going to start talking Italian, the Republic of Italy <laughs> has bestowed the honorific title of knighthood in the order of merit. So, so John, what does that mean? Tell me what that so means. I, does that mean you get to you skip a, the line for for, yeah, for uh, to get on Alitalia, which is no longer Alitalia now? It's like ITA or whatever that new airline get, is called. Arthur, I get a few a free cappuccino at the airport. That's pretty much it. You know, I get a, <laughs> nothing. It's you know what it means. It means more work, and and it's a labor of love, right? So being a knight, it's like being knighted by the by the queen or or the French. It's a uh, the president of Italy has bestowed the title of commendatore, which is knight commander, on me, and it was really very moving. Uh, my father, who's ninety, my mom, who's eighty-seven, were there with me with my whole family. It was very, very special. It, no, I asked them to do it here in the states, and we did okay. it at the Italian consulate here in New York. So it was it was very nice, and I had my two aunts from Calabria there. When uh, was we this? Celebrate my father. This was last. Um, I want to say the beginning of July. It was a couple of weeks ago. Oh, really? I didn't really. I knew. I yes. knew it happened. I didn't realize it. Just oh, God bless. Congratulations. I'm over here breaking Thank your you. shoes, and meanwhile, it's a it's a <laughs> tremendous honor. And also, tell the people before we start talking about animals, talk about what yeah. you do with the uh, the the federation. Oh, absolutely. So I, I'm um, the executive vice chairman of the National Italian American Foundation, which is called NIA, and we were founded almost 50 years ago, really to promote our heritage. Uh, our Italian-American heritage here in the United States, but also to serve as a bridge between the United States and Italy. And that's candidly one of the reasons why I was made a Knight Commander, Commendatore, by the Italian government, because one of the great things that we do as Americans and Americans of Italian heritage, you know, there was the earthquake in Aquila in 2009, there was the earthquake in Umbria and central Italy in 2016, and we all came together and helped raise money to rebuild those people's lives there. And I served as the liaison. Secretary Clinton had asked me to serve as the American liaison for that effort in 09. And now I've been doing it. You know, unfortunately, there are crises and challenges in Italy, and I've been called on to do it. And I do it out of love because at the end of the day, that's what we have to do. We have to pay it forward. We've been so lucky in this country. And if there's people suffering, especially our fellow Italians, we can lend a helping hand. We should do it. Wonderful. So tell the ladies and gentlemen who are listening what John Calvelli does for the Wildlife Conservation Society. Well, first of all, back so, up. What uh, is the Wildlife Conservation Society? Exactly. I was going to say. So the Wildlife Conservation Society was founded in 1895. So we're one of the oldest conservation organizations in the United States. And what we do is we save wildlife in wild places around the world. And then we help educate people on uh, animals, wildlife, and how do you do that? We run the four zoos in the aquarium in New York. The only one we don't have is Staten Island. They do a great job, but we run the Bronx Zoo, Central Park, Prospect Park, Queens, and then the New York Aquarium in Brooklyn. So we have approximately 4 million people that come to our properties every year, and they learn about wildlife. It's the first time, you know, first time you saw a lion or a tiger or an elephant. 
that's going to most likely be at the Bronx Zoo or what about the octopus? What about what about the octopi octopus. and the, the penguins? The yeah. So, you know, the New York Aquarium, the New York Aquarium is the oldest continuously running aquarium in the country. And wow. uh, we've been out on Coney. Yeah. And 1896. We've I was there. I was there not that long ago. I was there probably in May. I grabbed my son, who's five years old, Arthur. You know, I'm a Brooklyn boy, so it's not yeah. a, not too far. Yeah. We got there as soon as yeah. it opened at 10 a.m. and it's just wonderful. They have that wonderful shark exhibit, and when you you're walking underneath the the water, it's 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 very well done, and they feed the penguins and the sea yep. lions. It's yep. wonderful. Yep. I got to tell you, now we just built uh, a new exhibit there called Sea Change which you go underneath and you're able to see the animals from below. And it really talks about how climate change has really uh, impacted these animals and what we can do to change it. So the aquarium, I got to tell you, it was a, it was a tough situation because we literally in 2012 after Sandy, almost every one of our buildings was, uh, was impacted. I know. Destroyed. I'm aware, my man. I'm and, aware. You know what I mean? And um, one of the things is and it breaks your heart. A lot of our staff, they actually lost their homes. But they came to the aquarium to take care of the animals. And, you know, we have animals in these collections that are either extinct in the wild or almost are endangered. So they really take it upon themselves. They came there with putting literally putting oxygen into the tanks to make sure that the animals are alive. And guess what? The good news is we didn't really lose many animals at all. Uh, no. We were able to save the collection. So I know I yeah. know you're always working so hard. One of the nicest things that, that you <laughs> did was uh, – when my 16-year-old was, I don't know, three, maybe four years old, yeah. uh, you got, you let me into the, to the Bronx Zoo. We were going to do an event there. Remember we did that event with Tiki yeah. Barber where he ran through yes. the whole park? Yes, And so yes. that yes. event took place before the park officially opened because you can't have people running around while you have guests. Yeah, yeah. But Luca yeah. was in his stroller, and I walked through the, the Bronx Zoo at 7 a.m., 7.15 a.m. I could have been anywhere. Like, uh, well, well, I should say this. Yeah. In one section, I could have been in Africa. In another section, I could have been yeah. in Asia. I mean, it was just, yeah. I mean, it is incredible. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about the Bronx Zoo and what's going on there. Let, let me tell you, the, the Bronx Zoo, I, I often say this, you you can come to the Bronx Zoo, see the world, and never leave the Bronx, right? So you just said it. One place is Africa, one place is Asia. Right now, we actually have uh, two things that we're kind of celebrating. One is the world of birds, which is that really futuristic. It looks like something out of Planet of the Apes. Um, it's a this brutalist structure from the early, so 1972. It's a barrier-free exhibit where you, the, uh, there's birds flying right around you. It's an amazing, amazing experience. But the other one, which I think is really exciting and will only be there for a few more months, is our dinosaur safari. You can actually walk a quarter of a mile along this uh, path and see 52 life-size animatronic dinosaurs and pterosaurs. Oh and I got to tell you, I have, Arthur, to, I have to take Arthur to see that. Got, His favorite yeah. show was cartoon is Jurassic World. I'm, I watch oh. it with him on a regular basis. So because uh, your staff told me, your colleagues running the show told me that this is the wildlife Wednesday. Yes. You got to learn something from wildlife. And the Go word ahead. of the day is, is pterosaurs. And pterosaurs are flying reptiles. And okay. we've got pterosaurs. We've got a 40-foot-long Tyrannosaurus rex. We have an Amiosaurus, a Quetzalcoatlus. I mean, these animals are just amazing. And here's the incredible thing. They're all, you know, there are living descendants of dinosaurs amongst us. And guess what they are? Birds. birds. Right. So, John, so how long is that exhibit up, the dinosaur exhibit? It's going to be around for a couple of more months through November. 
Okay. Um, so, you know, we've got, you've got three, two or three months to come and see it, but it's going to be, it's really just something incredibly uh, exciting. So and give, course, give Mike, the, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, give the family some tips because I will tell you what sometimes gets a little nerve wracking, not nerve wracking, gets you nervous. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah. I have a little baby. I have a five-year-old. I want to come to the Bronx Zoo. Like, give us some tricks. Like, should you come on a Tuesday? Okay. Should you come at eight in the morning? Should you come at two in the afternoon? Like, you know, how do you, man- how do you maneuver the Bronx Zoo? So here's, here's the first thing. Become a member, right? Right. And, and you can go in and out really- of all of them. And then you can go in and out. You get parking. You can also, we have early hours for members. So, therefore, that's the, and by the way, it's the least expensive of any membership. I put it, I'll put it on par with any of the major uh, institutions in the city of New York. Best money, best deal for your money, number one. Having said that, if, you know, you can't afford a membership or you're not sure yet and you want to kind of come and see it, uh, you hit the nail on the head. Mondays and Tuesdays and Thursdays are your best days to come. Okay. And also, especially in the fall, the fall is spectacular I know. at the Bronx Zoo and at the aquarium. Just beautiful. Great weather, not big crowds. You're going to really enjoy it. So those, those would be my quick tips. The other and, thing is, you know, we've got, yeah, we've got the, we've got the, um, the uh, tram that runs through the park. Get on that. It'll take you from one side to the other. People don't realize the Bronx Zoo is the largest urban zoo in the world. It's 265. So what about, what, what about when you hear about Cincinnati Zoo, when you hear about the San Diego Zoo? Where does the Bronx Zoo fit in? We are, we, the Cincinnati, for both, by the way, great institutions. I'm not going to, you know, but of course, we're New York. We're better. And um, the San Diego Zoo, the San Diego Zoo is 88 acres. We're three times bigger. So okay. just put it I there. I got you. The, All right. The, I got to put my pipe on, put goods. that in my pipe and smoke it. We, um, we got the goods. Let me uh, now. I'm I'm not going to throw uh, WC WCS under the bus because I I'm no. I don't know if it's that, and I would never think that yeah. Uh, yeah. you would allow this to happen. But you know, my father is a big yeah. supporter of I know a lot of conservative sites, right? But he yeah. told me very very recently um, that he got a new calendar, and yeah. on the calendar, on what was used to be Columbus Day. It now says Indigenous People Day. Now, please, John, tell me that's not the WC calendar, the WCS calendar. To the best of my knowledge, no. Okay. I mean, I knew what you being at the helm because you're so so proud and so active. But he said Mm -hmm. he wrote them a letter. I'll find out who it is. I I didn't think it was was from yours uh, because you have been. Let's just address that for a second, John, because you do wear two hats in our our community. Uh, You know, I was very, very active. Uh, with the whole Columbus, they want to take mm-hmm. this down and that down in Brooklyn. They want to take, uh, you know, the courthouse in Brooklyn is yeah. Columbus. Man, they, oh, that's got to come yeah, down. And then, well. then they right. Then they want to call it America Vespucci. And someone said, well, uh, you know, I found out. I did my research. America Vespucci had five slaves when he died. I mean, we're talking about hundreds mm-hmm. and hundreds of yeah. years ago. So, what does John Calvelli have to say about? Christopher wow. Columbus, the Columbus Citizens Foundation, the Columbus Day Parade, the fact that the Washington D.C. is the District of Columbia, Columbia. Columbus University. Talk to me, uh, yeah. John Calvelli, who's a, a big shot in the uh, National Italian American uh, Foundation about uh, about Columbus. So let me say these are my personal opinions, right? I mean, we're a hundred percent. Yeah. So I just want to start with um, I had the honor of serving on the Monuments Commission. 
um, in uh, 2017 and 2018, where somehow along the way we've forgotten that that commission, which was made up of a broad swath of people, uh, we came out with the position that the Columbus statue should stay. And, you know, we had the challenging conversation probably for a much longer program and uh, we should do over a meal. But the bottom line is we as a city have come out and said, no, we want to keep that statue where it is. It is a symbol of who we are as a community. Now, Columbus, there's two ways of looking at Columbus, I, I believe. One is Columbus, the man and what he did, and then what Columbus, what he represents. And, you know, if you go back, you hit the nail on the head. Columbus was a 15th century explorer that we're somehow holding to a 21st century standard. That absolutely makes no sense to me. Um, we should be celebrating and commemorating what he did. I, I will be the first one to say there are many terrible things that happened to uh, Native American communities here. And we should, we should honor that. We should do everything we can um, for those communities um, to clarify and to commemorate the, the difficult and challenges they face. So let's put that in one, in one area. The other is, what does Columbus mean for Italian Americans and for all immigrant groups, many, many of the immigrant groups in this country? You know, to me, Columbus's arrival here opened up the opportunity for millions of people fleeing religious persecution and economic hardship. And New York is that ultimate symbol of that immigrant experience. So what we're doing on Columbus Day is we're celebrating that immigrant experience. We're celebrating as one of the main groups is the Italian American experience as well. And then and secondarily, Columbus also was uh, a symbol of the Catholic Church, you know, the Knights of Columbus. Right. And incredibly, the Ku Klux Klan, the KKK, was opposed to the creation of Columbus Day because it was going to create a Catholic icon in our country. I mean, this is mind blowing. The Columbus celebration was a repudiation, literally a repudiation of racism. It was a statement saying, no, we as Catholics have a right to be here and we have a right to celebrate. So the bottom line is people need to know the history behind Columbus Day. People have to understand what that day represents, not just for Italian-Americans, but for all immigrants and all Catholics in this country as well. Well, very that's well stated, John. And that's that's I knew I could throw you that little curveball and you'd knock yeah, it out yeah. of the park. And, you know, the, the sad thing is, John, you, you know, People are never going to do that research. They're never going to dig as deep as you just suggested. They're just yeah, going to have yeah. that knee-jerk reaction. Oh, he had slaves. Oh, he killed the Indians. Oh, you know, you have to put it all in context. We so we yeah. got we got yeah. thirty. We got sixty seconds left, John. Um, make a little pitch for uh, the Wildlife Conservation Society and and how can people help? Whether it's financially so, or whether it's you know uh, spiritually, emotionally. So let me tell you right now, one of the projects that we're working on is to protect the Hudson Canyon, which is this canyon off the coast of New York, which is deeper than the Grand Canyon. The bottom line is this is an area that's so important for the fishermen, for the fishers, for commercial fishers, for resident, for recreational fishers. It is this amazing place right off the coast of New York that has absolutely no protection. And what we want to try to do is make sure that it's a sanctuary. And I'm going to tell you something even crazier. We've got bipartisan support for this. We've got Democrats, Republicans, fishers, the Native American community. We're working with everybody. We have over 100 organizations across the country that are supporting this effort. We need to hear from people, and we'd love to get more people to sign so how up. How do they hear from you, John? How do they hear from you? Before we run out of time. Go, go, go to WCS.org. 
WCS.org. You'll see it there. Support Hudson Canyon. We want to send the message to this administration that this is something to say. Hudson Canyon, WCS.org. John Calvelli of the Wildlife Conservation Society. Thank you, John. I hope you come back on again in in the fall, and we'll talk about uh, the Halloween exhibit in the Bronx Zoo. Happy to do it. Always for you, my friend. Thank you, Giovanni. Ciao. Chief of the Alamo. All right, folks. Stick around. We'll be right back. we got another powerhouse guest. This one's going to be real entertaining. Be right back. So, folks, if you're considering painting your home, because a lot of times now as the summer kind of starts winding down, right, we're into August, like, well, you know, what project do I want to tackle in the fall? If you're thinking about painting your home, just do yourself a favor. It's not doing me a favor. It's not doing Susan at Rhino Shield a favor. You're doing yourself a favor. Make a phone call. Get a no-obligation consultation. Do not, do not paint until you at least have a chat with Susan. And let her explain to you what Rhino Shield is all about. Because it's not just paint. It is, I watched it with my own eyeballs. There were no real brushes involved. They were like these machines, like where they're spraying this thick stuff onto the house. And it's a 25-year transferable warranty. They're guaranteeing it against peeling, chipping, cracking, mold, or mildew. So if any of those things happen, you just call them back, and they'll be there to fix it. Nothing like that's happened on my house. I have no problem telling you. Three, four years ago, Susan painted my house. You know, you get lost in COVID time. Um, I think it was 2018. So far, perfect. Every little piece of it, perfect. She did the house, and then I have a little separate garage. She did that as well. You probably, I, you know, I'm, I'd like to think I have to paint again. I, I'm, I, yeah, I think I've got 25 more years left in me. I'll only be, I'll be shy of 80. Um, Rhino Shield is going to increase the value of your home because, as you know, and I always stumble on this, but it holds the hot air in during the wintertime and keeps the cold air, the air conditioning in during the summertime. And now Susan is offering no payments, no interest financing for one year. That along with her strongest discount yet, 20% off for anyone who requests a free quote, free, free, free quote by August the 31st. Call today and lock in your 20% discount. Call 877 877- Seven four four six six zero eight. That's eight seven 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 four four six six zero eight. Or go to RhinoShieldOfNewYork.com and just tell her, "Hey, Arthur told me to call you." Hi, Kevin McCullough. Big wellness night tonight. I hope you'll join us at 7 o'clock. Dr. Jeanette Nishwat is this week's representative from the Fox News Medical All-Stars. And our very own Amanda Williams will join me to talk a little probiotic health all before we're done. Power-packed wellness night. You don't want to miss it tonight at 7. Want more of AM970 The Answer and our hosts? Then interact with us. Follow us on Twitter for breaking news. What's coming up on the radio? Thoughts from our hosts, deals from our advertisers, and more. Our handle is at AM970 The Answer. Come on, tweet with us. In the wee hours of the night, when everyone else is fast asleep, you're the one on third shift, burning the midnight oil. When a part fails and everything comes to a grinding halt, regardless of what the clock on the wall says, you leap into action. Granger is with you and all the ones who get it done. With 24-7 customer support by phone or click to chat. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. 
Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Mitsubishi dreamers, designers, and engineers are redefining choices in mobility for a whole new generation of independent, modern, and savvy consumers who want value, like the new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander featuring its industry-leading Mitsubishi 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today, freeholdmitsubishi.com, or call 732-863-27. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. So we have on the line with us uh, American filmmaker, musician, author, uh, Joel Gilbert. Hello, Mr. Gilbert. Welcome to the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Okay, great to be here. Thank you. So I know you've written books about Bob Dylan, and uh, and you've been involved with your studied uh, Paul McCartney. What, what I, I should sorry made movies about Bob Dylan and, and Paul McCartney. Anything on the Stones, or you, you you left Mick and Keith alone? I left those guys alone for now. I've moved on to Michelle Obama. Yeah, no, I know that. I'm a, I'm I'm aware, and we're going to get to that. But I would like to talk to you a little bit because you've. You've uh, done some extensive work on two musical icons, that being Bob Dylan and that being uh, Paul McCartney. Uh, obviously, um, you've you dug pretty deep into Bob Dylan, and he's you know if you Google any list as the greatest you know musicians of the, of the 20th century, he's always on, on the top two, three, yep. four, five. You know what what say uh, uh, Joel Gilbert about uh, Mr. Dylan? Well, you know, Bob Dylan is the uh, seminal writer and uh, folk singer, kind of uh, came out of the 60s. Uh, he's famous for writing all those great ballads like Blowing in the Wind, Times Are Changing. Then he went electric, went to all electric music, which caused quite a, you know, quite a lot of trauma for his fans. Then he later had a religious period. He became a born-again Christian for three years, made those religious albums. So he's just had this incredible career, uh, and he remains... You know, the greatest, I think, uh, American writer and uh, and singer uh, to this day. Okay, and then in 2010, you did Paul McCartney. He really is dead. The last testament of George testament of George Harrison. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, the Paul McCartney really is dead is a mockumentary, and uh, what I do is I find a uh, an audio tape of George Harrison actually admitting that Paul. Paul McCartney is dead. People might remember that back in the 60s, uh, once the Beatles broke up, people started playing the records backwards. Right. And they had all these hidden messages in there, like Paul is dead, miss him, miss him. So this is uh, Paul McCartney really is dead is a, is a confessional of George Harrison explaining uh, that Paul is dead and what really happened. So it's a, it's a great, funny movie. So I, I will must admit, I've never heard the term a mockumentary before. Can you just tell our listeners what a mockumentary is? Well, a mockumentary is something that it's a documentary that pretends to be real. When you look at it, it looks totally serious, but really there's a there's a comedic premise that's not obvious up front. You kind of get it as you go along. Okay, I got it. So you did that about uh, the, the McCartney. Is that the, also you did one of those about Elvis being alive? Correct. That's right. So Paul McCartney really is dead. Then I go Elvis found alive because. Uh, uh, my distributor did. So, we did so well with Paul McCartney. Really, is dead. That's the other great rock and roll mystery: is that Elvis might be alive somewhere in Kalamazoo, Michigan, or in Germany. So I did a whole film about Elvis's uh, life and career, 
you know, uh, also did you see? Did you see? Did you see the new Elvis movie that just came out? Haven't seen it yet, but I, I know it's pretty good. Okay, that's that's what that's what I'm hearing. I heard it's a little long, but uh, it's very good. Uh, and in terms of when I, when I was doing a little research about you coming on the show, reading about you know Paul McCartney was really dead. I'm like, wow, I saw him about a month ago. It was his eight, the night before his 80th birthday. Bruce Springsteen came out and and played with him. I was like, he seemed pretty alive to me, but now I know it wasn't a documentary. It was a mockumentary. Mockumentary. That's All right. So now tell us about your uh, your latest endeavor regarding Michelle Obama. Yeah, a new film about Michelle Obama. I've been following the Obamas for 10 years, and I noticed a few years ago that Michelle Obama was following the exact same footsteps, uh, the same pattern and the same path as Barack Obama did to become president. Uh, Barack uh, was the keynote speaker for John Kerry in 2004 at the Democrat convention. The keynote speaker is the slot that they give to the person they think will be the nominee at the next convention. Then, of course, Michelle was the keynote speaker for Joe Biden in 2020. Uh, Barack based his candidacy on his personal story. He wrote that best-selling autobiography called Dreams from My Father. Michelle wrote her autobiography called Becoming in 2018 and went on a world book tour. And then people don't know that Barack really started in politics with a uh, voter registration organization that he ran out of Chicago called Project Vote. Michelle started something called When We All Vote, and she was just here in Los Angeles about four weeks ago giving a fiery political speech. So I'm looking at her Twitter account, her social media, 100 million followers. She's all politics all the time. And I realized that all the biographies written about Michelle are just very reverent. They just repeat whatever she says. So I did a whole research into Michelle's history, her childhood, work history in Chicago, and it turns out that her real life story is nothing like Michelle pretends it is. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you you got a little. I mean, because I went online and I looked at some of the reviews. You also did a uh, dreams from my real father. I guess it's a spoof on dreams from of uh, my father of of Barack Obama. And a lot of people said that it you know there was a lot of things in there that were unsubstantiated. Uh, <clears throat> what say you about that? Well, Dreams from My Real Father is my 2012 movie. It's an alternate biography of Barack Obama's life history. And what I do is I present a mountain of evidence that Barack's real biological father was a man named Frank Marshall Davis, who was a Communist Party USA operative out of Hawaii. He was a Soviet agent in the Cold War. And this is the guy that Obama admits that raised him. Obama happens to look just like him. And I presented a lot of evidence that... Uh, that the real father, the Kenyan Obama, was just kind of a cover they used at the time for the fact that this guy was his real dad. And then in that film, I go on to kind of show Obama's uh, ideology uh, very much mirrors Frank Marshall Davis, who raised him. Okay. And Michelle Obama, um, you, I believe you had the opportunity to speak to her mom. Is that accurate? Yeah, actually, in the film, I actually go and I speak to her classmates from kindergarten, from third grade, from high school, her high school teachers, uh, Princeton professor, you name it, and even her mother I ran into and talked to her. She's a very nice lady. And uh, you can see, by the way, you can get the book version of Michelle Obama 2024 on Amazon and the film version on SalemNow.com. So last question before we go, would she make a good president? Well, no, Michelle uh, would make a terrible president. She uh, she pretty much never has an original idea of her own. She just kind of repeats whatever 
the Democrat talking points are. She's very good at it. I mean, she's actually a better politician than Barack. She's a better speaker. She comes off more authentic. She uses emotion very well. But she really has these kind of deep psychological issues that I go into in the film and the book where she's trying to always get approval from people, trying to be accepted, trying to show that she belongs. And that's what's driving her, I think. Well, I, I have to say, I have to say, uh, Joe, I think everything you described, you could say about every former president of the United States being very self-centered and uh, going going with the with the flow, so to speak. But I'm out of time, Joe. I'm glad you, you gave your, your plug. It's on Amazon, the book, the movie. And um, you know what? God bless. Salemnow.com for the movie. Thank you. All right. Be well. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to try to get Imran in here from his other office just to talk about the stones. Don't go anywhere. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Driving ambition for 40 years in the United States, Mitsubishi Motors sees the automotive industry differently. Mitsubishi challenges convention with innovative approaches in the way Mitsubishi engineers and builds their vehicles. Just look at the all-new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander, now in stock in all trim levels and all with the flexibility of third-row seating. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today. FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-27. Hi, this is Judge Kamins, a partner at Idala Bertuna and Kamins, and where Arthur Idala of the Arthur Idala Power Hour works at his 24-7 day job. In 2014, I retired from the bench to join ABK, which is a full-service preeminent boutique firm that has been helping New Yorkers when legal problems arise. ABK is uniquely qualified to assist New Yorkers who have a wide range of legal problems, from personal injury claims and civil litigation to criminal defense and trusts and estates. I personally work on appellate matters, attorney disciplinary matters, and complex legal issues with a dedicated group of attorneys who provide a team approach to each case. There is no legal problem too big or small for this talented and hardworking legal team. So when you think of the Idala Power Hour, also keep in mind ABK, the power legal firm. It's been a while since I gave myself a real chance to meet someone new. Susan and John are two kindred spirits who rediscovered the romance they deserve on Silver Singles, the secure dating site for singles over 50. John is a massive foodie like me. It's been amazing to experience some of my favorite things again with someone who makes my heart beat faster. I'm so glad I got back out there. Sign up today at silversingles.com meet. That's silversingles.com meet. School's out for the summer, but learning never stops. Now is the time to practice recently acquired skills, catch up on summer reading, or learn something new. While school is out, your teachers and school staff continue to learn, too. Taking professional development and updating licenses, the New Jersey Education Association is proud of the work our members do all year round to make our public schools great for every child. This message sponsored by the New Jersey Education Association, the New Jersey Broadcasters Association, and this station. Hi, it's Mike Gallagher. I start every day by reading through the stories at Daybreak Insider. It's a look at today's most compelling stories and provides responses from key conservatives in media and politics. Over a quarter million people get Daybreak Insider by email daily, and it's available to you at no cost. Go to daybreakinsider.com and simply plug in your email. That's daybreakinsider.com. In five minutes, you will be the most informed person in the office. That's daybreakinsider.com.
Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970, The Answer. Here I go again. I hear the trumpets blow again. I'm all aglow again. Taking a chance on love. This is what you go with, Sam Bellino, for Tony, Tony Bennett's uh, 96th birthday? I mean, uh, I wanted something upbeat. All right, I mean, yeah, you didn't go with I Left My Heart in San Francisco? No, well, it's a little bit of a, bit of a downer. All right, all right. I mean, it's not a bad place to leave your heart, by the way. Uh, Martin Sheen, so Tony Bennett is 96. God bless him. I think he's fading away a little bit, but okay. You know, hey, 96, that's a, that's a nice century you got under your belt. Martin Sheen is 82. Martha Stewart, can you believe she's 81? That's nuts. Um, Beverly Lee, the singer from The Shirelles, is also 81. John Landis, the very famous and unbelievable director, is 72 years old. And today is National Watermelon Day. It is also Grab Some Nuts Day. So go inside to Sabella's office. He's got a big bag of almonds. And you can go in there, and I did it earlier, and I grabbed a handful of nuts. Speaking of nuts, on the other side of the microphone here in my uh, law office on 45th and 5th is the great, the great one. I mean, we just call him, like, when people look for someone in the office, like, you know where the great one is? Like, yeah, he's getting tea, or he's at, you know, he's doing the deposition. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the person you hear on the airwaves tomorrow night, Thursday with Kevin McCullough, the Honorable Imran Ansari. Oh, you flatter me. You're the great one. No, no, yeah. no, no. So, Ansari, probably right about now, the Stones are somewhere partying. Um, I, you know, I don't know if they're they're together. Like, I, that's what I would love to find out. Like, and I would never ask Mick that. But like, you think after a show, like this is their last show of this sixty year tour. You think they're together right now, or they go their separate ways at the end of the show? I don't know. I mean, I think they generally seem like they like each other, but at this point, I'm sure. I that, mean, on the stage, know, they seem on, that way. On stage, right. Well, they put on a great show. You know, you would think uh, nothing less than that they're <laughs> best buddies uh, and rocking out still in, in their 80s backstage. But I think they go home. They probably have a little green tea like what I'm having right, right. now. Uh, you know, have a. Uh, well, they claim to all be sober now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Keith Richards even said he stopped smoking cigarettes. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. But, you know, look at them up there. You, you know, the energy, you know, we energy is amazing. Uh, they put on a great show and you would never imagine, hey, if I got that energy at their age and I could rock out like that uh, on stage, well, you know. Well, tell us what know. happened when, when the show <laughs> ended. When, oh, you the mean Odyssey. The, oh, it was an exodus. <laughs> it was an exodus that uh, viraled the, you know, uh, rivaled the uh the Jewish exodus out of Egypt. Yet he said that there were. He heard there was eighty thousand people there. It was nuts. It was nuts. We were trying. Well, it took us like two hours to get out of yep, that. That park. included included some beverages we were drinking. Yep, in beverages. The, uh, very in a, in a very celebratory mood. Uh, we were on a bus. And we were on a line for the bus, and we crawled through the park in Paris. But I wouldn't have it any other way because that really rounds out the story. Do you remember right? when we got off the bus? What did we do? We ate. Oh, we ate good, and we ate good. And we no, ate no, 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 not in the restaurant before the oh, restaurant. Oh, the, the, the hot dogs, the hot dogs. And the, there were two choices, <laughs> right? There were two choices. There were beef, and there was chicken. I ordered the beef, 
And then after I ordered the beef, I'm looking at Arthur. I'm looking at Arthur's friend, Thierry. Uh, and they've got the chicken. And I noticed the chicken sausage <laughs> is bigger than the beef. So then I start second-guessing my beef uh, choice, was, and I'm looking at he it. He was so upset. He was like, look, look, the chicken sausage is so much bigger than the beef. <laughs> like, what do you have, sausage Henry? <laughs> oh, we – and then we walked into uh, – from there, right, we just walked into Paris. I forget how many kilometers that was. And you were still hungry. Still, yeah, still hungry. But we had an epic meal. Yes, with it was With some locals, great. too. It was great. Some locals. And there was the one guy who we had a problem with. I don't know. He got offended. Oh, because they corrected his French, right? Right. We had, you know, we had those two random people. It was hard to get a table at this spot. A lot of people are coming out of the concert looking for something to eat. We're in a great little brasserie, uh, bistro, and we get a table. But the, the guy seating us says, all right, you know, there's the two people. We'll put you all together. That's phenomenal because now we're eating, you know, we're eating with two uh, uh, sets of local Parisians. And next, you know, there's a altercation going on, a verbal one. There were two women and two men who sat with me, Thierry, and and Imran. And they're speaking French. We don't know what's going on, but Thierry does. And apparently the male was talking, and the female, who's a stranger to him, corrected his French grammar. And he got all offended, and he left. Right. Over here, you get shot over cold French fries. At least in Paris, they're just uh, fighting over grammar, and no one's getting shot. And then it came time to do the presentation of the names. And Imran Ansari couldn't even speak. He was just giggling. And it was a Imran, I'll tell you, that was uh, those couple of days we spent. Your new best friend, Roman Polanski. I mean, it, Brett Ratner, the whole thing was, was very, very special. Yeah, it's, it was a trip of a lifetime, not only in the Rolling Stones, but like as you stated, Roman Polanski and Brett Ratner as dining companions and, and companions at the show. I mean, that was it, it's, it's an epic experience. <laughs> All right, folks, have a great, great Wednesday night to the Rolling Stones. A brilliant career of tonight was your last show. We'll see you tomorrow on Thursday. Be well, everyone. The preceding program, sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.